there are known knowns. There are things we know we know. We also know there are known unknowns. That is to say, we know there are some things we do not know. But there are also unknown unknowns. The ones we don't know, we don't know. <laughs> Excuse me, but is this an unknown unknown? Uh, I'm not several unknowns, and I'm, I'm just wondering. I'm not this going. Is an I'm not going to say which it is. Welcome back, mages, warriors of light, heroes of other stories. Welcome to the second module of the Video Games and Philosophy podcast. It's Philosophyraga, where the philosophy is fire and the Firaga is hot. It's very proudly presented by thewellreadmage.com, so find out more about our work by visiting, well, thewellreadmage.com. If you like this show and want it to continue existing in the future, then the most helpful things you could do in the entire world would be give us a review on iTunes or Podchaser, tell your friends about it, just, just tell one person that you think might find it interesting, that's always good, or become a patron of The Well Red Mage at patreon.com slash thewellreadmage. Your support, whether you choose to do that with a monthly pledge or just through likes and ratings and that kind of thing, is what makes this possible, so thanks. Now, you might have come here expecting an interview with Moses Norson, the Well Red Mage himself, you would be reasonable to be doing so because that's what I said we'd be doing. That is still going to happen, but there's a thing called time zones which make it really hard for us to get together. So while that is still going to be happening at some point in the future and we'll be discussing kind of a wrap up of morality episodes, it's not this time. Sorry. What we're doing instead is kicking off module number two, knowledge. What is it? How do we get it? How do we know when we have it? These are some fundamental questions in the branch of philosophy called epistemology, the study of knowledge. As with most things in the philosophical parlance, it comes from the Greek. It's from episteme or episteme, I don't know. It means knowledge anyway, and then plus the classic ology. You can think of epistemology as kind of a close cousin of critical thinking, a discipline which involves ensuring that your beliefs are well-formed and justified. Two basic questions from critical thinking which are relevant and useful in real life might be something like, how can this person know about the thing to which they're testifying? Or, how can I be sure that their testimony isn't affected by factors that might motivate them to say something other than the truth? These questions address the accuracy and reliability of expressed knowledge, that is, the extent to which something's correct, and the extent to which it's being truthfully told. Epistemology goes one further and asks what the heck does knowledge look like in the first place? And then it goes from there. So step one. Let's try to get to a working definition of knowledge. This is important because, as the modern philosopher Agnes Callard points out via Socrates and William James, we want to believe true things and avoid believing false things. That seems to go without saying. It's useful in all aspects of life, and in all disciplines from natural sciences to humanities, gaining knowledge of truths so that we can reliably and accurately hold useful information and then apply it to stuff. In general, of course, true information is useful, false information less so. So, defining knowledge. I think it's fair to say that a person has to believe something to be true in order to qualify as knowing the thing. Let's take Youngster Ben as an example. You know Youngster Ben, he's the guy who likes shorts because they're comfy and easy to wear. Youngster Ben, for some reason, doesn't believe that potions restore 20 HP. He doesn't have the mental state of relating potion as a cause to 20 HP restoration as an effect. So it really seems hard to imagine that we could say Ben knows potions restore 20 HP if he doesn't believe it, he doesn't think it's true. So that seems like our first prerequisite. It's necessary to believe something in order to know it, but it's not sufficient. We'll come back to necessary and sufficient conditions if Philosopher ever gets around to doing logic, but for now just know that something, we'll call it N. If N is a necessary condition of X, then N has to be true in order for X to be true, but it's not enough on its own, N can be true without X being true. 
If S is a sufficient condition of X, on the other hand, then if S is true, X is definitely true. So we've established that belief is a pretty key component of what makes knowledge, but it isn't enough to get us to knowledge on its own. Let's say that Ben believes that Charmander has a type advantage against Squirtle. If belief were all that we needed in order to get knowledge, then we would say that Ben knows Charmander has a type advantage against Squirtle, but the big problem here seems to be that that's not true. Charmander actually has a disadvantage against Squirtle, so Ben's belief is mistaken. It seems that truth is another of those required conditions we were talking about. If something's not true, it's not knowledge. In common English, we might think that saying that someone knows something strongly implies the truth of the thing, whereas if we say that they think that something's true, then it suggests that they could be mistaken and the thing might be false. Notice that there's no difference from the thinker's perspective, though, so it's a thorny issue. Okay, so knowledge is true belief then, right? Well, we're still missing something. A stopped clock is right twice a day, as they say. Ben might believe that Charmander evolves twice and ends up being Charizard, and that's true. But Ben might believe that the middle stage is Ivysaur, or that the reason for the evolution is there's a magic Pikachu cast a spell on Charmander or something. Ben's belief that Charmander evolves twice and ends up as Charizard might be true, but it's not based in sound justification and there's no good reasoning behind it. He's right, but for the wrong reasons. This means he's not very likely to be able to reliably predict other future events, even if he's right about this one. If he had a second Charmander, he might be astonished if that one could evolve into Charizard because the magic Pikachu didn't cast a spell on that one. A true belief without justification is what we might call a guess if we were feeling a little bit uncharitable. So we've got three components of knowledge now, and the framework of knowledge as being justified true belief was probably the most widely accepted definition from the time of the Enlightenment until a guy called Edmund Gettier came up with something called Gettier Problems. These are situations which show the possibility of a justified true belief which still doesn't seem to be knowledge. For example, Ben might use a potion on his Rattata and see that 20 HP is restored. Ben now has a belief that potions restore 20 HP. That's a true belief because that is what potions do. It's a justified true belief because he's seen it happen and therefore has pretty good reason to believe it. Unknown to Ben though, it wasn't actually a potion he used at all, but it was a 20 HP restoring berry smoothie that someone had put in a potion bottle for some weird reason. So his belief turns out to have been true, but by coincidence. For another real-life example of something a bit like a Gettier problem, my other half, Hannah, is absolutely convinced that she has the power to affect the outcome of sports games, and I've tried to tell her that it's impossible that whether or not she watches Liverpool playing football could possibly affect the score, but unfortunately she keeps getting proven right. If she watches Liverpool lose, if she changes the channel away from the match, they score. From her perspective, it really does seem like a justified true belief that Liverpool will lose the game if she watches and win if she doesn't. This challenges many of my beliefs about how the world works, so I don't think it can possibly be right, but it's actually kind of an epistemological issue. Anyway, back to Ben's accidental use of a berry smoothie, which has led him to accidentally know what potions do. Can we call this knowledge? It's, it's a tricky one. If we can't say that this is knowledge, then there's a bunch of stuff we might not be able to say we actually know. Ben has all the evidence that he usually has that what he just did was use a potion and that potions restore 20 HP, but the connection between the justification and the resulting belief is too accidental. The thing that makes the belief true and the thing that leads us to believe we're justified in thinking it's true are probably not sufficiently connected in this case. So if this shows that we actually need something in addition to justification, truth and belief in order to make knowledge, then do we need a new framework? Justified true belief is now widely accepted as being a flawed definition of knowledge, but it's still an important one throughout history and it's still a useful one so I'm talking about it anyway. Of course there have also been multiple responses trying to address Gettier problems. 
Some of them do take the approach of changing the framework away from justified true beliefs to something else, or replacing one of the three elements, or saying that JTB is still actually the way to go, but the justification isn't sufficient in some cases and therefore doesn't count, so it wasn't really knowledge in the first place. And it's all fascinating, obviously, but we're only trying to give a quick introduction to topics here, so I'll skip over that for now. Also, if I'm being honest, I don't fully understand it myself, so if someone can explain it to me, brilliant. The history of epistemology is long and storied, and goes beyond simply defining knowledge to investigating how we can obtain it, how we can be certain it's reliable, and so on and so forth. One of Plato's most famous dialogues, the Meno, concerns itself with the question of how knowledge is gained, or to put it another way, how we learn something. Plato, who uses in the Meno as he often does the character of Socrates as a kind of mouthpiece, advances the idea that the immortal soul never forgets and that to learn something isn't really to gain new knowledge, but to remember through prompted, well-directed inquiry things that were already innately there in our souls. If you've ever taken introductory philosophy, you've probably read the Meno at some point. It's the one with the kid that Socrates directs to be able to work out the area of the square on his own. If you've not read it, I actually recommend giving it a read. It's, it's an interesting idea, and it's also really nice sometimes to read some of Plato's dialogues, especially the way that Socrates interacts with other characters. We might well spend a whole episode at some point just talking about what's called the Socratic method, which is effectively just questioning someone's beliefs until they realise that those beliefs were based on flawed justification. It's a useful way of having discussions with all kinds of people, whatever you do in life. Still, the point in the Mino is to make the case for innate knowledge, and that's an idea that comes up a lot throughout history. We see fairly frequently throughout rationalist philosophy, such as that of Descartes, who was the guy that said cogito ergo sum, I think therefore I am, that the idea of knowledge being somehow embedded within us, something that we remember rather than learn anew, is one that doesn't really get dropped. The opposition to this innate knowledge idea is what the early empiricist John Locke called tabula rasa, blank slate. That's the idea that we're born without any pre-existing knowledge. We'll be taking a look at both rationalism and empiricism over the next couple of episodes. There are middle grounds, and entirely off-somewhere-else grounds of course, but we still see the argument between rationalism and empiricism going on today. Noam Chomsky, for example, is a modern proponent of the assertion that at least some knowledge is innate in us. Specifically for Chomsky, there exists a universal grammar of sorts, a certain degree of knowledge of linguistic structure that all humans just have. We're not taught it, we don't learn it, it's something that we have innately within us, to which we apply whatever language it happens to be that we speak. What I've not really touched on so far, by the way, is that there are, of course, different kinds of knowledge. We've only really been talking about what's called prepositional knowledge, and that's probably the kind of knowledge that we'll be continuing to talk about throughout this module. Prepositional knowledge involves knowing that things are true. So Ben knows now, or at least we hope he does, that potions restore 20 HP. Ben might also have some of what's called acquaintance knowledge. He might say that he knows Pallet Town well, for example. That's another kind of knowing. Of course, knowing Pallet Town might also involve some prepositional knowledge. If he knows the town well, then perhaps he also knows things like it's between routes 1 and 21. The third kind of knowledge is ability knowledge. Maybe Ben knows how to throw a Pokeball really well. Again, that might involve a little bit of overlap with the other kinds, but knowing how to do something is overall different from knowing that something is the case, or knowing something in the sense of being familiar with it. We'll cover knowledge of all of these kinds as we continue to think about what we know and how we know it, and how we know we know it, and so on, but if in doubt, I'm probably talking about prepositional knowledge. So, question time. You can talk about all of the things that come up during Philosophy Raga by... Well, by finding any random passerby and yelling about Kant at them, I guess, but if you fancy talking to me and other majors about them, then the best thing to do is probably getting on the Twitters. I'm at Overthinkery1, there is of course at the Well Read Mage, and you can hashtag PhilosophyRaga if you feel like it. I also have an email address, philosophyraga at gmail.com, so that's cool. 
The single most supportive thing you could possibly do to keep the show going though, and probably the best thing you can do in terms of having great discussions, would be joining the ranks of the Warriors of Light by becoming a patron of the Well-Read Mage. You can do that on patreon.com slash thewellreadmage. Patrons who pledge $5 a month or more get access to Mage Chat, the Discord server where all kinds of incredible conversations happen between mages and super awesome people who have all kinds of perspectives on all kinds of things. And it's great, so do that. You can use any of those routes to contact me about pretty much anything, really, but to get your brain working, I think an appropriate question to finish this episode is this. How can you tell when you know something? As a side question, what's one thing that you're sure you definitely know to be true? As usual, while I'd very much like you all to go off and, you know, think about your own answers to that question, I've already posed the question on Twitter, so I'd like to thank everyone who's answered already. Come to think of it, maybe I'm doing things backwards. Maybe I should really be asking things on Twitter after the fact. Do you know what? I'll have a think about that. Anyway, I want to thank people including, but not limited to, Katie Parsons, at Pieces of Kate, uh, Games with Coffee, the Coffee Mage, of course, the well Mage himself, Pix1001, at Aros Elric, who is, I believe, the Teal Time Mage, who just put out a review of Mass Effect, actually, which I had the pleasure of editing, and it was very good, um, at Ravens and Crows, at Lodestar Valor, and at Around the Bonfire. We had a range of answers, including uh, Lodestar Valor taking the position that we probably just don't really know anything, and even that might be difficult to know, so, you know, who knows? Around the Bonfire suggests maybe a slightly more practical definition of knowledge, in which knowing things is to do with whether you're able to defend it, articulate it, explain it. Pix1001 suggests that while it's difficult to know if anyone really knows anything, it's hard to argue with introspective claims like what someone's favourite game is. You certainly can't say that you know that better than they do. Finally, for now, Pieces of Kate, Katie Parsons says, I don't think we ever can really know technically whether we know something, but as a society we tend to go by the consensus, so if most people agree the sky is blue, then we take that as true. She then goes on to say, When people are isolated, they stop trusting what they know because there's no one there to back it up, and that's unnerving. I think this is a really interesting point, and less approaching a straight-up definition of knowledge, more suggesting some of the implications of how we might decide that we know something, what the benefits of knowing things are, and what's scary about not knowing things. So anyway, that's just a small selection of answers I had on Twitter, I hope you'll come up with your own. And of course, there have been people throughout history who have come up with hundreds of their own definitions of what knowledge is, answers to the questions of how we know we know things, and so on and so forth. We'll be looking at just a couple of those answers next time. Thank you very much, as always, for joining me for this episode of Philosophy Raga. The show is written, edited, and produced by me, Chris Durston, with invaluable help from my consulting producer, Moses Norton. All the music you hear is by me, and the show's logo is by Moses Norton, with graphic design from By Wisdom Designs. The show is part of the MageCast family, so if you enjoy listening to in-depth discussion about games, I suggest going to thewellreadmage.com and clicking on the Podcaster tab. In there you'll find MageCast, SideQuests, and a bunch more. The Well Red Mage's dream of a better future for gaming discussion and gaming community is made possible by your support. So the best thing you could do to keep the show going is leaving a review on iTunes or Podchaser or spread the word on the social medias and all that. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your sea slug. And if you consider supporting us with a monthly pledge of any amount at patreon.com slash thewellreadmage, I will personally send a handwritten letter to a game developer of your choice just telling them how great you are. This particular flame might be turning to embers for now but the fire of wisdom never dies. Toodles.